0: Chapter Thirteen of the Fairy of the Snows by Francis J. Finn S. J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Thirteen Introducing the Librarians of the Eighth Grade and Showing the Girls Are Not What They Seem. How is the boy hero this morning? You go and chase yourself such was the choice bit of conversation i overheard a few days later as i mounted the steps of the school vestibule the voices were familiar alice morrow's and david's alice was grinning fiendishly and david was glowering ferociously on seeing me the grin and the glower disappeared like magic david became his stolid self and alice smiling sweetly good morning father said david good morning father said alice David wishes to express the hope that you've enjoyed a good night's rest. Father, I don't hope any such thing. David, I said. She was, to borrow your own expression, stringing you. Father, I'll get even. Go into my office, Alice. David, I continued as Alice disappeared. What's your opinion of girls? Father, they're silly. Is Alice silly, too? Father, she's the worst of the lot alice came to report on family affairs we had thought alice and i and the others that the holy death of little margaret would bring about an entire reform in the habits of mr morrow we had counted on the benedictions of a little child but we were disappointed as so many of us are when we attempt to predict god's ways with man for a week after the funeral mr morrow had gone the old pace and although he had then come to himself he was now out of work and spirits alike papa doesn't feel strong said alice he had three days work last week and then gave up he said he couldn't stand it mamma's doing a little sewing at home for the daltons and miss quinlan and that helps out a good deal papa's going to start work again next week and say father could i come here every day at about four when david goes and practice on the typewriter for an hour or so why what's up now i want to learn it well I learned a little of it one summer, and with a little practice I think I could get some work and help mamma. You do? Yes, Father. There's a stenographer in the young ladies' sedality I met here. She had me use her typewriter once, and said I had unusual talent for it. She said that if I gave a little attention to it, she would help me, and that she could get me plenty of copying to do. But, Alice, you'll be in the business class next year, I hope, and you'll get your typewriting there yes father but something makes me feel that i won't be able to come to school two years more i'll consider myself lucky if i get one year and if i do i am going to do double work the request was unusual after some thought i gave the permission by the way i continued do you tease david alice smiled merrily father we all do who we girls of the eighth grade he's such a funny boy you don't know him you ought to see him when he's home or playing on the street he makes noise enough for a dozen in his own house and he's the leader of the fifth street hill crowd has he any fun in him the boys think he has but we girls don't the boys think he is a hero which will account for a little conversation i overheard this morning his sister mary and i get him almost crazy sometimes so you your tease alice here was another side of alice and of david I thought I knew them both very well. And as for the demure eighth-grade girls, it had never occurred to me that they paid David the least attention. I resolved to watch more closely. On three days of the week, the girls of the school have the privilege of getting books out of their library situated in the outer office. I resolved to be on the watch that afternoon. The librarian's in number were girls of the eighth grade. Just before the hour for the library was at hand, David came to me and asked, father have you any errand you'd like me to do no david a new light dawned on me i had been edified for several weeks by david actually asking to go on errands i thought the lad was beginning to show some initiative looking back i now recall that david's requests for this particular kind of work were preferred just before the girls came in for their books also i remember that whenever on such occasions i had sent the boy off he contrived not to get back until the library was closed and the librarians gone alice was right i did not know david and what is more i knew very little about the fairy of the snows meditating humbly on all this i seated myself close to the door leading into the outer office and making a feint of reading kept my eye on david and the room full of girls especially alice and the librarians all of whom looked as though butter would not melt in their mouths they were very busy too these librarians waiting on the girls picking out books for the smaller ones and wearing each of them a strictly business-like air david meanwhile with an expression of long suffering sat at his desk as far apart as possible from the librarians with stern determination on his face he was reading the adventures of a Train boy who eventually becomes a millionaire by saving a girl in a collision and marrying her and her wealth the whole scene as i gazed on it out of the corner of my eye was most edifying i was proceeding then to be edified when quite casually alice merle passed by david's desk bending over as she passed she whispered something in his ear david acted as though a fly had lighted upon the stiltic beauty of his face also he frowned horribly and made a mouth alice in the meantime was back at her work her eyes so turned as to catch the effect on david's face of her words the demure librarians too i noticed while apparently as busy as ever with their duties had their eyes just then on david too and seen by a quick interchange of glances to express a lively appreciation of alice's whispered remark presently margaret logan an olive-complexioned bob haired imp with mischief dancing in her eyes sallied over and delivered her little message into the unwilling ear of david i caught the word hero cut it out growled david IN THE NEXT FIVE MINUTES, SIX OF THE EIGHTH GRADE GIRLS PAID DAVID THEIR RESPECTS. IF LOOKS COULD KILL, THE OFFICE WOULD HAVE BEEN strewn WITH CORPSES. HOW LONG HAD THIS BEEN GOING ON? DAVID, I SAID, WHEN THE LIBRARIANS HAD bidden ME THEIR USUAL DEMUR. GOOD AFTERNOON, FATHER. DAVID, FOR WAYS THAT ARE DARK AND FOR TRICKS THAT ARE VAIN, THE CHRISTIAN YOUNG GIRL IS PECULIAR. WHAT WERE THESE GIRLS WORRYING YOU ABOUT? FATHER, THEY CALL ME A HERO. And David's face expressed an intense sense of outrage. They do? Yes, and that Murrow girl calls me her hero. And, David, do you make faces at them? What else can a fellow do? That Margaret Logan stuck out her tongue at me three times. When? Just now. How could she have done that without my seeing her? It's terrible, isn't it, David? Yes, father, I think it is. Ten or twelve days later, David entered the office with a clean-shaven head. The curly, dark pompadour was gone. For the month of April, this proceeding was unusual, and so I expressed myself. "'Yes, father,' assented David. "'Why did you do it, David?' "'Father, I don't like pompadours.' Alice Morrow, it happened, was sent down that morning with a message from her teacher. Upon seeing the shorn David, extreme delight showed itself plainly upon her features momentarily however for observing that i was watching her she grew instantly sober good morning father good morning alice are you and david good friends i don't know much about david his sister and i are very fond of each other david i said are you and alice good friends no father we are not sending a lockless youth on an errand i tried in vain to learn what she knew of david's haircut without seeming to she evaded the question david i said later that morning i had noticed several of the eighth grade girls peeping in the office and gazing with various emotions of joy on david's head have those girls been teasing you about your hair yes father they have those librarian girls what did they say that moral girl says oh what a lovely pompadour and rolls her eyes till she looks cock-eyed and that Logan girl wants to know where I get my hair dye, and,' continued David, his voice becoming almost lachrymose, "'that Emma Becker wants to know whether I won't let her have a lock of my hair. "'And what about Lucy MacFarlane, David?' "'Ah,' growled David, forgetting in his emotion his usual dignity and speaking to me, "'she wants to know whether I take it off at night. Oh, gee!' Some days later I informed David on coming to the office that I would leave him in charge the afternoon at three o'clock, as I had an engagement with the rector of the college. "'And, Father, you're not coming back?' "'No, David. We're going out on the hills to visit a family on business, so you can run the office to suit yourself.' As it happened, the family in question, owing to a misunderstanding in regards to the day, was not at home and Father Rector and myself had nothing for it but to take a car back to the city proper. "'I think,' said I, as we got off this car at Sixth and Sycamore, "'that if you'll excuse me, Father Rector, I'll take a look in at the school. There may be some mail or some messages.' The clock was striking a quarter past four as I turned into the schoolyard. I had scarcely entered it when from the two windows of my private office an unusual and most astonishing sight caught me to rub my eyes.' It was a chilly day, but both windows were open from the bottom, and out of each were leaning, with three heads stretched as far as possible, three girls, six in all. I recognized at once Margaret Logan with her bobbed hair, Alice Murrow, Emily Becker, Lucy MacFarland. the two others I could not distinguish. All of them seemed to be sneezing violently, sometimes all at once, sometimes in duets and trios, and occasionally, so to speak, in solos sneezing or not each girl wore a look of extreme distress dashing up the stairway of the entry and noticing as i did so a small boy bearing a suspicious resemblance to david with some unknown contrivance in his hand disappearing like a frightened jackrabbit into the music-room i turned the knob of the outer office door it was locked getting out my keys i opened and entered the room leading into my office had no lock but a strong rope was fastened to the knob and tied to a bench in such a way that those inside were effectually imprisoned. It was the work of a moment to unfasten the rope. Girls, I cried, what's the meaning of this? Father began Alice in sneeze. Father, said Margaret Lowington, it was a chew It was di de- it was di de- a chew supplemented Emma Becker. The old billard a chew ball added Lucy. The whole thing was incredible. Do you mean to say I began that David Riley, my office, a choo a choo a choo, a choo a choo a chimed in the girls in relays of two and three, that my office boy forced you big girls into this room and, a choo a choo a choo. A choo a choo a choo, went the six. "'Just then the meekest, solemnest lad that ever fell under my observation "'stepped as far as the doorway. "'Father,' said David, for it was he, "'I think you had better come outside into the hall. "'I think there's Japanese snuff in this room.' "'Oh, you think? Achoo!' "'Yes, father, I think so. I put some of it in here myself.' "'The girls were already out in the vestibule. "'What's that, David? You've got in your hand.' "'Father,' said David, holding it up to the light as they reached the vestibule and making the statement as though he were telling me of a national calamity, "'it's a mouse trap." "'It certainly was. There were six mice in it.' The girls edged away and, in their horror, left off sneezing. "'What were you doing with that?' "'Nothing, Father.' "'Nothing?' "'You see, Father, when I got them through sneezing, I was going to open your office door and tell them to come out.' "'Yes?' And then, father, when they got into their library, I was going to turn these mice loose on them. At this solemn declaration, four of the girls squealed, while Alice and Margaret looked daggers at the unhappy youth. David, how did you get them into my office? Father, it was easy. I told them that there were some new books in your library case that you didn't want them to see. Oh, protested the girls in one scream. And they all fell for it. Father, girls just love to rubber. Come with me, David, I said, and hurrying into the outer office, I shut the door and laughed for fully three minutes, while David looked on helplessly. Had I been dying, he could not have been graver. He still held the mouse trap. David, I said at last, do you know that you are a humorist? No, father, I didn't know that. Are you any relation to Tom Sawyer? "'I don't know, Father. Does he live in this parish?' "'Aren't you a first cousin to Huckleberry Finn?' "'Father, I don't know the names of all my relations, "'but tonight I'll ask my mother.' "'David, how would you like to be a comedian?' "'What's that, Father?' "'How would you like to be a clown?' "'David smiled. "'I think I should like it very much, Father.' "'From that day till David left my service, "'rejoicing in a fresh pompadour,' the girls of the eighth and other grades with two exceptions as we shall subsequently see treated david riley with profound respect End of chapter thirteen recording by maria therese